listening to Bound by Fate, a JRPG podcast. I'm Tyler Pointer. Let me tell you a story. Alright, welcome to Bound by Fate, an RPG podcast. My name's Tyler, and I'm going to tell you a few stories. Um, so I wanted to start a podcast, you know, after this terrible, terrible year we just had, I think everyone's kind of venturing into new ideas, um, new ways to work from home, new ways to bring about discussion and connect with people without actually having to meet people. And, you know, the idea of a podcast has been in my head for a while. Um, and I'm going to start off by myself and just see where this thing goes. But this is definitely my first podcast. So um, I'm not expecting to be too... Um, too proper as the as the show starts, but I definitely want to turn this into something really cool. And hopefully I can keep doing this. And if you know me, I want to thank you for listening to this for me. Um, I hope you guys can give me some great uh, feedback. And uh, if you don't know me, please, you know, support the show how you can. And please feel free to ask me any questions. But um, yeah, so I want to just give a platform um, to RPGs. I think that, you know, there, there are a couple of um, mainstream video game podcasts, but I definitely want to have something that's dedicated to just role-playing games. Um, you know, a lot of people celebrate different genres, and I think that the one that I celebrate the most is RPGs because it's something that I've connected with and has inspired me throughout my life. And, you know, I want to use this podcast to kind of deep dive into those. And, you know, from that, I would like to have discussions, open discussions, uh, interviews with people, you know, have co-hosts every now and then. And, but basically I really want to dedicate, you know, um, these episodes to some games and, um, ideas and gaming and things that, you know, things you can break apart and really have a deep conversation about. Um, but, uh, I'm going to start each episode kind of with a, um, you know, some news from the RPG world. Um, so right now I'm recording this on the last day of February, February 28th, 2021, um, from my kitchen in Austin. We just got through a terrible blizzard storm about a week ago. And I guess that even more solitude from that just kind of inspired me to just, you know, get this thing done. Let me try to do something really cool and see where it goes. So I bought my microphone and here I am and let's do this, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, RPG news for this week. Um, as some of you may know, you know, however, whenever I upload this, hopefully it will be by next week, but it could be two weeks from now and no one will be talking about it anymore. But, you know, um, big RPG news this last week. We had the Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, update patch DLC coming out with uh, episode Yuffie. Um, you know, adding in a section of the of the initial game where um, there's a, a part of the story where Cloud breaks off from the main party and they're going to be covering what was going on um, with Avalanche during that time. And um, so they're bringing that DLC. Uh, Yuffie DLC will be um, PlayStation 5 exclusive. However, um, you know, this gives a... I guess this is, gives a lot of people a reason to buy a PS5, you know? The next game's definitely going to launch on PS5. 
But, you know, I might just wait to buy the PlayStation 5 because I really would love to see, you know, some exclusive versions for it. Um, besides the just the general PS5. Um, not too big of a fan of the design of the system itself, but I'm definitely a console gamer, so I can't really do math at it. But if there's something cool that comes out later on, I think that would be nice to, you know, um, to experience and, you know, invest in because PS5 will probably be here for at least 10 years. So, um, I want to have something that I can really, really love and love to play. Um, but anyways, in addition to, uh, the Eufy DLC, they will be surprisingly launching um a mobile game called ever crisis which will compile um scenes and uh previous video games from you know the collection of final fantasy 7 remake or sorry the final fantasy 7 story itself um you know before crisis which was a japan exclusive mobile game you know back in the early 2000s and then crisis core which came to psp covering zach fair's story Advent Children, which is interesting because I guess they're going to make a playable version of Advent Children or have some kind of episode-based, you know, um, game to it. And Dirge of Severus will also be on that. And it will be interesting to see. Um, for what I've seen so far, the... Uh, and it's also going to have the original game in it, which is even more like, what? But from what I can tell, it's going to be just kind of similar to the pocket version of Final Fantasy XV. I, I really don't know, is, is there going to be a way that they'll, you know, compile all of these, all of the moments of 7R into one game that just seems, or into a mobile game, it just seems kind of far-fetched. But anyways, like, in the scenes that they showed, it showed, you know, the initial first boss you play against in Final Fantasy 7 and 7R is um, the Scorpion Shinra robot. And in these scenes, it was showing, you know, transitioning from like the little chibi animation um, of the overview map and then going into a battle. It was like an actual 7R battle. So that, that was confusing to see. And it also showed Aerith fighting it. So I'm assuming there's going to be like a different kind of structure to the gameplay. Um, maybe bring back some of the uh, ATB type um, turn-based battle um, but yeah, that'll be really interesting to see how it's going to come out. Um, and that'll be here in 2022. And they also announced a an, uh, an, an MMO called First Soldier that'll be released later this year, also on mobile. Um, it's basically just like a free-range um, Midgard, you know, Battle Royale, I guess, that they... These games will be super successful in Japan, I feel like... Um, um, you know, in the in the West, it's not mobile games aren't you know as celebrated. But I definitely think if it can get a successful launch um, from the get go, I think a lot of more people um, will be playing these mobile games. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be like, and I'm always excited to see more seven and seven Archon, um, you know, um, content. So yeah, I'm excited. And then we'll transition into um, some really, really, really big news from the Pokemon company. You know, everyone's been waiting for Pokemon Day um, for the last, you know, they've been leading up to it for the last month or so. Um, and we finally got what we were ask, asking for forever, which were Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remasters and remakes. Um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, upset about the... Um, 
the 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 remake itself of Brilliant Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl because they're going to be um, kind of classic. But the great thing about that is, you know, people that didn't get to experience Diamond and Pearl, which is surprisingly surprisingly a lot of people, um, they'll get to experience it kind of like it was for a lot of us who really loved and celebrated Diamond and Pearl. So I can't be too mad about that, um, especially when we get a game after in 2022 called Pokemon Legends, um, centered around the story of Arceus and the Sinnoh region. And the coolest thing about it, my favorite thing, is that this, they're mixing starters now. Um, we'll get to see Oshawott, Rowlet, and Cyndaquil in a game together, which was really fun because those three are actually my favorite starters. Um, it's just incredible to see, you know, um, Pokemon take a different route. I, I mean, I was really hoping and I've been hoping for a long time that we would kind of see a different kind of um, game. And they've been trying out new things with Sword and Shield and um, Sun and Moon kind of had a different platform than the usual Pokemon game. And now we're getting a cool classic RPG um, set in a different era of Pokemon, which is so interesting. And it's a good, a good chance for them to expand on their lore. And a lot of people, I remember um, back in the day, were, you know, expecting maybe an Arceus, an Arceus Pokemon game, especially because Arceus is considered the god of the Pokemon world. So, you know, it's really exciting to see, um, you know, this new, new approach to telling the Pokemon story. So, yeah, I think that was a really great week in gaming announcements. Um, and March starts tomorrow, and I assume March is always a good month for gaming. So I assume we'll see a lot of new, new things out, um, new things announced, and I'm excited to get to it. All right, and now we are going to get into the main content of the show, um, which is discussions about video games and um, how I'm going to set it up for this this episode today is uh, I'm going to pose a question, what was your first RPG? Since this is the first episode, I kind of wanted to have a general topic. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of games rather than just one because there's no way um, we can really remember... Um, the very first, I feel like. If, if you're an active gamer, I feel like you had a couple you, you know, were introduced to that kind of changed, um, changed your story. And I think that that's something that you can really, really learn a lot from yourself is like, what was the, think about what was the first RPG you played and how it kind of shaped your video game journey. Um, and again, let's talk about just the idea about RPGs in itself and why we, why we enjoy them and why we celebrate them. You know, these are these are ex- experiences that we get to dive into. We get to deep dive into these games and these stories. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason why, you know, RPGs are so celebrated is because instead of, you know, watching a movie and getting the experience over in two hours or reading a book and however long it can take to read a book, when you play an RPG, you're, you're making active decisions for the story. You're, you know, getting to know these characters. You're getting... Um, these characters strength you're getting new skills you're getting all sorts of things to kind of like advance the story on your own so it's something that you are taking the reins of and controlling and I think that that's why we love RPGs so much Um, but to get into it um, I will start by saying you know I'm going to talk about three today but um, 
first I'll talk about, and I've already talked about this today, um, but Pokemon. You know, Pokemon is an RPG that is centered around, you know, children. That's what it started off as. You know, we've got a great, um, diverse range of fans now, you know, 25 years later. But um, it's just so wonderful to think that, you know, the creators of this game wanted children to enjoy this. And that's why it was so, so, you know, critically successful among among that generation in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, and I can't remember if I played Pokemon Red or Gold first, but uh, Gold is definitely the one that stuck with me. I can remember, you know, the nostalgic feelings I get from the music and, um, you know, picking Cyndaquil over and over again, however many times I restarted it and restarted it. And recently, you know, like a year ago, I, I bought the, um, uh, the gold version that's on DS that you can download from the DS store, the original. Um, and again, it's like so, so, and it's so incredible to think that this game, you know, back then video games were hard. Like Pokemon was hard. It was a really, really, and we talk about this all the time, you know, gamers do, um, that, you know, games have become too easy nowadays, but have you have you experienced re-experienced you know playing these old pokemon games and if you do you can still be so so challenged by um you know this the stats in the game you know how strong the leaders are your type advantages um your pool of moves uh and you know leveling up in itself was so hard um everyone talks about Whitney being you know one of the toughest gym leaders but normal types were such tanks back then um they still are but you know to have that mill tank use roll out on you and you know you're for me you know I had Cyndaquil each time so you know going to Koalava at that point I assume but um you're set up uh, you're set up to be you know kind of weak throughout the story until you get towards the end um and even then um, when you reach the eighth gym leader, Claire, who's a dragon type gym leader, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of options. You just come out through Ice Cave, but Homegirl has a Kingdra. She can definitely, you know, do some heavy damage to you and not receive any damage back. So that's something that was so, so challenging about Pokemon, um, specifically Gold. And of course, you know, I played this game when I was five or six. And then by the time I was 12 or 13, you know, Pokemon Heart Gold was re-released. And to, you know, play that video game and re-experience all those joyous emotions and um, the challenge of being a trainer, going across two regions, and better graphics and added features um, with more Pokemon and more moves and everything like that, that was so incredible. Um, my I think honestly my favorite Pokemon game in general is Hard Gold. I think that they, that was just something that they will never do again, and that's okay, of course. But um, Hard Gold was just and Soul Silver. It, it was just uh, a great moment um, for Pokemon, and you know we we remember each these little things about each game, but. I'm really happy that that was one of the first ones I was able to experience. And again, um, you know, I don't feel the same way about 
the Kanto region as some people do because Johto was the first one I experienced. And a lot of people my age feel the same way, but with Hoenn, the Hoenn region. So it's interesting to see, you know, our differences all come together and, you know, make us fans. And that's what's great about being a part, about the, a part of the Pokemon fandom. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience. And, of course, it really set my journey up and the types of games that I liked in regards to, you know, what, what I like about the Pokemon games and games that are kind of similar. Um, I'm playing Digimon right now, actually, on my DS. Uh, Digimon Dawn or Dusk? It's one of those. But, again, like, those cross, you know, cross-universe uh, similarities between these games are really what makes you know re-experiencing those old ones so fun so a lot of my friends all have a similar experience in, in regards to at least one game that they've you know taken to love when they were a kid and that's um, you know having an older relative or friend or um, something like that when you're a kid who has the coolest video game collection um, around and you know you go over to their house and you're like can I just please 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 just borrow this and never give it back and um, that's how I first discovered Kingdom Hearts um, I remember on a trip to my aunt and uncle's uh, when I was a little kid everyone wanted to go to the beach because it was a beach town and I was like I really just want to see um, this game that has Donald and Goofy and Mickey on the cover. Like, what is this? I have to, I have to play this. I have to experience this. And you know, right away, I think Kingdom Hearts was a really, really um, enamoring game to experience. Whether it be you know the intro um, sequence with Utada Hikaru simple and clean, or um, the initial choices in Sora's dream sequence. Uh, that's also something that's always stuck with me. How interesting was that? And also, another reason why I love Final Fantasy so much is because I knew some of those characters. And I, of course, I played Final Fantasy later on, and that became my favorite series. But I knew these characters from Kingdom Hearts. You know, there's smaller versions, uh, alternate versions. Um, having these cross-dimensional uh Meetups within the series is also really cool, and and you know, in general they're not the same people, same characters, but you know they're based on a different, a different world's view of what these characters could be in Kingdom Hearts. Anyway, um, you know, I was six or seven when I first picked Kingdom Hearts, and that was my probably the one I'll celebrate the most from the PlayStation system is Kingdom Hearts because it was just such a I feel like that was my first experience really deep diving, like I talked about earlier, deep diving into the story of an RPG and, um, you know, what it could be and these, these, you know, these tropes that exist within RPGs about light and darkness and, um, you know, trying to change your friend, trying to protect your friend and experience that later on with Naruto. Naruto and Sasuke, you know, have a similar relationship like Sora and Riku um, of course I can't really compare them completely but I'm just making that general um, showing that general similarity and I think that's a, another reason you know you want to be a hero that was like when I was a kid and I really wanted to just be a hero and I think Sora was like the first hero I could kind of 
um, emulate and uh, discuss and really analyze as a child. Um, and the story takes off, you know, right away. And I think that that's one of the most important aspects of Kingdom Hearts is that that the, at least Kingdom Hearts one and two themselves are very like jump into the, jump into the story games. You know, from the get go, you're really intrigued. You really want to keep playing, and then you just keep going and bringing in the Disney aspect. As a child, of course, that's super cool. Um, seeing Hercules and Jack Skellington and even, you know, my favorite part about Kingdom Hearts uh, was the outfit changes whenever you would visit, like, Atlantis and Halloween Town. That was something that was really cool. Um, and, of course, something that before the time of DLC we wouldn't have got otherwise. So I really liked those aspects of that game. And, of course, like I said, for Pokemon, it was such Kingdom Hearts was such, such a challenging game. Um for a young kid and I remember getting specifically stuck on the part uh, where you fight Riku in Hollow Bastion no spoilers but the fight where you know he's being controlled um, I remember getting stuck on that fight for a year and probably not playing the game and I, I don't I didn't beat Kingdom Hearts you know initially I got to that point in the game I kind of figured out what happened and then I played Kingdom Hearts 2 when it came out in 2005, 2006. Um, and so, yeah, that game was so hard that I just couldn't even beat it. Um, and I probably asked my brother at some point to help me because he played as well. But, um, you know, that's how games were, and that was still cool um, to go back and finish that game when I did, which was probably when I was, like, 12, 11 or 12, something like that. And then, of course, Kingdom Hearts ended up being, you know, one of the most celebrated video game series RPG series of all time and um, with a wide array of titles and releases um, so many that you can't really keep up um, and of course I never played any PSP title because it's not like everyone had a PSP if you had a DS you most probably didn't have a PSP unless your <laughs> unless your parents really loved you but um, yeah they, they made, made it a little bit inaccessible and I remember Chain of Memories came out and the initial one on Game Boy SP, something like that, and of course I didn't have that either. Uh, so I played the remake for PS2, which was also super cool when I was like 13 or 14, something like that. But um, great series to you know get the kind of uh, general outline of what RPGs really are and what they're about. And you know the mind of Tetsuya Nomura is so so intriguing and almost any of his work you really want to you know buy into and um see where the story goes and you have to celebrate that you have to celebrate the music of course i'm always going to talk about music on this podcast because um that's one of the ways i think that you can really connect with rpgs in the first place it's like how great is the score how much did it touch you how much um do you listen to it you know in your free time um so much of my free time is filled with listening to music and thinking really hard about these games when i listen to these songs um, so thanks to the algorithms of my music playlist for switching it up on me every now and then, but definitely love to just, you know, think about these games outside of playing them and waiting for the next re-release and, um, the next DLC and what could come next in these series is, which are still not done, supposedly. I don't think Kingdom Hearts is over. Um, but Tetsuya Nomura is working on a lot of things, so we'll see where this 
this game can go, where this series can go. But um, very important to start with uh, Kingdom Hearts when I was a kid. And I'll always remember, you know, the, the story and fighting for Kyrie and seeing all these Disney worlds. I think that was a really, really interesting um, pathway into what I love about Final Fantasy and, you know, um, recognizing those characters later on. And, um, you know, I will always go back and compare a lot of things to Kingdom Hearts just because it was one of my first and a wonderful battle system. It's so fun. You can't really hate it. Um, the the games in between the stories get a little complicated, but what can they do? Maybe they should be different, you know? But it's still super, super fun to re-experience and not exactly too challenging unless you're on ultra-mega-hard mode, but I love the series and I'm excited for what's next and what could be and to replay them always. The last game I'm going to talk about today is from a series that is widely, widely known and celebrated. Um, and the game specifically is often referred to as the, or subsequently referred to as the best um, game from the series, and that is Ocarina of Time, The Legend of Zelda. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of Zelda fans around my age at least, consider this to be the, still the greatest um, game within the series, the greatest story. Um, this was my first, I, I think this was probably my first console game I ever played. Um, I was definitely playing Game Boy um, before I was playing console. But this game had um, wonderful, wonderful stage setting and ambiance and um, puzzles that kind of set up the flow for the rest of what Zelda is today. We haven't had that many games since then, which is so crazy. It's, you know... 10 or 12 games released between then and then and now. You know, this is almost 23, 24, 22, something like that years later. Uh, and Zelda is still, Ocarina of Time is still holding up as such a wonderful classic game that people love to replay and re-experience and um, gives wonderful, wonderful nostalgia. And I'm talking about nostalgia a lot in this episode again because we're talking about what what kind of set the path for us and our what we love as you know, um, as a gamer. And I will say Ocarina of Time had some very scary elements to it. You know, you think of the Forest Temple and the Shadow Temple, and maybe, you know, you loved those temples as a, as a kid playing through those stages, and you ended up loving horror, uh, horror RPGs and horror video games in general. Um, and, you know, you may not think about it, but that could be kind of the inspiration behind it. And I think, you know, that's why I love games like Resident Evil and um, some other classic core JRPGs. Um, and, you know, uh, the whole idea of a childhood to adulthood and, you know, you can really place yourself within that story and imagine yourself as a kid. And, you know, in general, like if these games were real, if this was real life the story would take place over a long time, right? Like, you can't solve all the world's problems in a year, which is what a lot of RPGs do, and I'm not criticizing at all. I'm just putting that kind of question out there, but this was something that took place over a period of time where you got to jump through time, and the whole idea with the ocarina, too, is so interesting and so um, classic, and I love when Zelda, you know, introduces 
music into music as an integral part of the story and learning these songs. And um, this game also kind of set the timeline within Zelda. It's kind of the breaking point. You know, the timeline splits into three different routes and it's all from the events of this game because whether Link loses and dies, whether he saves the world and splits the timeline to two versus adulthood and childhood. Um, That's why this game is so important to the story itself and is referred to in other games like Wind Waker. And um, I think a lot of fans want to see Zelda go back to this kind of thing. And I really hope that Breath of the Wild 2, the sequel, will kind of introduce some of these um, some of this concept from Ocarina of Time, like the origins of the sages and things like that. Cause I think that for me, that's what was missing from the game is just like, it could have been a lot more colorful. And, um, of course the game is beautiful, but I meant, you know, um, a sages of course are what of something I love from, you know, thinking about these elements and powers. Um, and that's what was kind of missing. And, Breath of the Wild for me. So I hope that that's maybe what the next game is about, but I'm definitely excited to, you know, see where, see where that goes as well. Um, and then thinking back on Ocarina of Time and the Zelda games that followed it, you know, this game really set the motion, set in motion what Zelda could be and what a lot of RPGs could be and can be. I'm sure this game is still referenced by a lot of people and, um, you know, coming up with storyboards and, um, where their stories are going to go and what gameplay is going to be like because this gameplay still holds up so well and I can still see these stages in my head so clear and that's something that I'll always like celebrate from this game and take away from this game. All right, everyone, so I hope that um, these questions that I've posed have kind of made you get to thinking about um, our experiences with RPGs and that's kind of just the homework I would like you to do is just think about your favorites and uh, your favorites your first and everything that kind of just made you go on your path with role-playing video games Um, and that's the end of the first episode I don't know you know when the next one will be or what game I'll talk about. I definitely want to talk about a game specifically for the next episode, and maybe I'll have a guest to talk about and interact with, so this can be a little bit more um, dynamic and conversational. But um, I hope you really liked this, really enjoyed it. Um, If you listen all the way through, I really thank you. And I hope that this can turn into something really cool and I get the hang of it and just keeps going smoothly. But yeah, feel free to, you know, email me with any questions you have. My email is boundbyfatepodcast at gmail.com. That'll be another thing I'm excited to talk about is where I got the the idea for the name of this podcast. Um, And if you know some good RPGs, you may know what I'm referencing. But um, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll see you next time.